morning. Are we on? Right on. I'm always so nervous when I get up here, so is it okay if we pray first? Do that. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can put our hope in your unfeeling love. And thank you that your love towards us is given so freely that we can receive it without any merit of our own. Thank you so much for being here in this place with us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, my name is Jason Horton, and I'm your facilities director here at the church. And to sum my job up in a picture, I had a bit of a Lion King experience early last spring when I was up on the roof of the Fellowship Hall. Do you see that, Simba? Everything the light touches is your responsibility when it breaks. But, ser but seriously, it's such a privilege for me to be here to work with the staff and our various boards, the elders, the committees. This has just been such a rewarding and remarkable experience. So thank you for continuing to make this possible for me. Um, some of you know that my son Arrow was admitted to the hospital yesterday, and I just wanted to give you a quick update and let you know he's doing well. Uh, here he is hooked up with a whole bunch of wires coming out of the back of his head, smiling like he normally does. Um, he's got a cool custom hat there. <laughs> I appreciate everyone who's been praying for us. Um, we actually had a really great Christmas. Um, the staff at St. V's took such good care of him, and uh, we had a lot of fun. I actually think that he slept better than we expected with all the various machines uh, around him. And I snuck out of the room this morning before he woke up, but I believe that uh, we're expected to be discharged today. So thank you for praying for us. That means a lot. We've got a lot to get into today. And uh, to frame what we're talking about, I want to ask you the question, what vision did Abraham have that compelled him to obedience? What vision of hope did Abraham have that compelled him to obedience? I believe that if we can catch a glimpse of what Abraham saw, it can begin to frame the context of our lives and how we live through 2022 and even into the rest of our lives. So if you're following along today in your bulletin, we've got three primary points for the note takers out there. We have hope for the past, hope for today, and hope forever. That's hope for the past, hope for today, and then hope forever. The modern dictionary definition of hope as we use it colloquially is a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. And in the archaic sense, which is what we're going to be talking about today, it is a sense of trust. That's the meaning that we're going to focus on, is a sense of trust. Now, hope for the believer is a belief system that adds works to our faith. And I would submit that if it is, poss it is possible for you to be in any situation, this could be the most depressing season of your entire life, and you can still be full of hope. Circumstantially, you could be crushed and void of any reason of, of feeling hope by your circumstances, 
and yet maintain a hopeful life trajectory. So for the blanks in your sermon outline, right belief is what leads our right behavior, and faith makes us believe, hope puts us to work, or it makes us work. Think of hope as the root that produces the fruit in our lives, and we're going to see that in Abraham. From the text, we read that by faith, he, Abraham, went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents. So Abraham didn't let his nationality, his lineage, possessions, anything that was behind him dictate how God could continue to use him in the future. And despite great uncertainty, Abraham did not let his inherent status in the natural world prevent him from receiving a supernatural inheritance in the life to come. And he got there by following God in this life. The Apostle Paul describes this idea in Philippians chapter 3. But whatever, I gained, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Not that I've already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'd be willing to bet that I am not the only person in the last couple of years that has experienced some degree of loss. Have you lost relationships? Lost your home? You lost a job? Family member? I want to ask, and I don't want to be insensitive, but have you taken the time to grieve those things? If you're struggling to press on towards the upward call of God, can I encourage you to inventory those things that are preventing you? I don't think that without reconciling those losses that we can continue to the place that God wants us to go. And that we can begin to let where we are in life decide who we are. Do you think that Abraham ever lost vision? We, we don't have time to go through the whole story. But if you want to do some independent reading, check out Genesis 16. There was a time when God told Abraham he would be the father of many nations. But all that he and his wife could see was childlessness. And there's this feeling that God didn't meet their expectation along a certain timeline, and they hatched a plan to kind of help God out. It seems like where he was without a child clouded his vision for believing God. And that single point of failure with Hagar permanently shifted all of human history as we know it. We have to recognize 
the sadness of unmet expectations in our life in order to appreciate the hope that we still have for the future. Where you are does not determine who you are. Remember what the Scripture says in Proverbs, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And I know it is hard, church, but don't lose the vision of who you are in your grief. Remember the words that God's spoken over you in the past. And maybe for some of you, you, you don't feel that you've ever had that moment where God said something to you. It's not too late to ask. There's no point in your life where you cannot reach out to God and say, give me vision. Let steadfastness have its full effect so that the tall ceilings of your suffering and your loss become the foundations and floors of the life that God still has for you. And this can be crazy difficult when we've lost a loved one. I want to remind you of what the Word of God says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Our grief does not end in despair. Now, it feels like a platitude when I say it, and I almost don't want to be cliche. But if there's still breath in your lungs, then God is not done with you yet. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. You're still alive because of the kindness and faithfulness of God in your life. Our circumstances will try to paint a picture that God is cruel and He is unkind, that He likes to see us suffer, but it's by His faithfulness that we're still here. It's by His mercy that we have this ministry. If God weren't true to his word, I suppose when Abraham messed up, God could have just axed him and picked somebody else who would be more obedient. But God not only gave him the son of promise after that point of failure in his life, but our text shows us how God shadowed him through that dark night of the soul and that he is remembered in Scripture as a hero and an example for us. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God found them hiding covered in leaves? I'm guessing that God could have just blasted Adam and Eve. I mean, they were the first ones who could have just restart from the beginning. Instead, it was God who covered their shame with animal skins, even though it wasn't their fault. Even though it was their fault, rather. Where did God get those animal skins from? The Bible doesn't say which animal they came from, but I know this, that from the beginning, innocent blood was shed 
to cover man's shame. Church, it was always, it was always his plan to save you. You can trust God to be greater than loss, failure, grief in your life, yesterday and today and forever because he bought you. Christ is our hope over the past. Now, moving on to hope for today, we also see in our passage that he went out, not knowing where he was going. Abraham set his hope in the Lord for daily direction and guidance. He was walking out one of the hardest parts of the Christian journey, walking by faith, not by sight. And it's our belief in God's character that God will be right here with us in the present that compels us to go and follow him past the comforts that we have in the world, past our hangups of the past, even when we don't know where that journey is going to end. Abraham trusted God's promise was good because he knew the nature of the one giving the promise. Abraham trusted God's promise was good because he knew the nature of the one who was making the promise. I want to ask you about a daily discipline. Are you looking for God in your daily walk? I mean, like actively searching for the places and ways that you can experience God as you're moving through your ordinary daily life. And I look back over the times where I have felt the most discouraged, uh, the most encumbered, and I can now see, looking behind me, the ways that God was good to me and the ways that He was kind. And I wonder, how could my situation have changed if in the moment I had recognized God's love for me where I was. Back in 2018, we were just beginning to remodel um, our ministry building over on Maple Street. And uh, we started with the second floor bathroom so we could move some missionaries in there. And one of our volunteers who was helping out with demolition had the floor give way under him and he almost fell straight through from the second floor (laughs) down to the first floor. Uh, where our worship space is uh, down below. And I was bummed out. I mean, I was, I was pretty discouraged um, as we stopped work and we reevaluated our safety measures. Sorry, OSHA. And uh, coming downstairs to see the damage in the ceiling where he had broken through, this is what I saw. And I don't know if this is made out very clear for you, but someone had just given us this podium and I just I dragged it up to the front. And you can see the torn curtain over the window as the light peeks through, now illuminated by the dust in the air from the ceiling. And I could hear the Spirit so clearly saying, keep going. Don't forget what I sent you here for. Hebrews 6.17-19 says, When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a soul, or sorry, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. 
Following God in North Toledo has been a significant risk for me and for my family. And sometimes we're, we're afraid, especially the recent uptick in violence through 2020 and 2021. It, I would be lying to you if I never experienced, if I said I never experienced the fear of man. And when I think about what are we going to do? I remember the character of the one who said he would never leave me and never forsake me. Psalms 33, 13 through 22, the Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all of the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the nations and on the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who keep hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our, hope, our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. C.S. Lewis said, only a real risk tests the reality of a belief. And that being said, I feel a certain sense of despair over another bathroom project right now. <laughs> We're uh, redoing the bathroom in our uh, worship space on the first floor there at the ministry. And if you come over, uh, we're beginning regular prayer um, in 2022, and then we're going to be doing worship nights, and I'm sure you'll hear about that. Uh, this is the current state of the bathroom over there. But nobody's fallen through the floor yet, okay? <laughs> so we're, we're still uh, ahead by one. We're doing some pretty significant uh, structural repair where those floor joists have uh, rotted out. But God has provided again and again and again. And through home missions, thank you. If I can take off the facilities director hat for a second to wear my true north hat and say thank you for the way that you keep home missions going in the city of Toledo. Thank you. He's going to do it again. And completely shameless plug here, please consider supporting the work that True North does. Uh, we're seeing God move all the time. And a new bathroom is not going to change anyone's life. Jesus Christ is changing lives in North Toledo. We have hope today for whatever we face. I'll put my facilities director hat back on here. Okay. Excuse me. My final point here is this. Our text says he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And later in Hebrews 11, it says, And all of these, the heroes of faith, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Abraham obeyed the calling of God because he had a hope, a vision of hope for the future. A future that would extend beyond his own lifetime. And 
This is a question that I've been asking myself, and please excuse me as I ask you today, why are you sitting here? Why did you drive in? Is this a place that you come to feel safe, to feel secure that you're doing something, that you're still a Christian? The place where the Word of God is taught is not a safe place for you to be if you have the audacity to believe it. Jesus was not being theoretical when He said you've got to lose this life, the life that you know, if you're going to obtain life forever. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. He says this within the context of the extreme suffering in his own life and the lives of his peers. Uh, this, his story is brilliantly laid out in Dr. William McBurney's book, The Search for the Twelve Apostles. I think this is a great resource. I'd encourage you to check it out. He gives a comprehensive look into the lives of the apostles and some other biblical characters. Um, what happens after the pages of Scripture close? And he tells the story, um, a, a number of stories about their martyrdom. Uh, he includes this note from Eusebius. Eusebius. I've said this a hundred times. It's like Eusebius. You know what it is. I feel like he should lend some of those vowels to the Polish and then everybody starts sounding better. Okay, the Apostle Paul, this church historian said, the Apostle Paul and his wife, uh, sorry, the Apostle Peter and his wife were crucified on the same day. He writes, when the blessed Peter saw his own wife led out to die, he rejoiced because of her summons and her return home. And he called to her very encouragingly and comfortingly, addressing her by name, and said, O oh, thou, remember the Lord. Why didn't Peter, or his wife, or any of the apostles for that matter, recant when they had the chance? They had a vision of hope forever. And I'm afraid of this type of Christianity that spurs someone on to believe for this life only. Just enough to embrace a kind of ethereal safety net, but it does nothing to reinforce the fact that we are just strangers, foreigners, pilgrims here on this earth. This, this is not home. I'm afraid of this type of consumeristic Christianity because I see it creeping into my own life and I'm afraid. And when I start getting that sense of self-preservation, I will never forget the words of Joe Liggett. I was at a worship service uh, the night that I decided to move to North Toledo. And he was preaching. And he said, you will not be one second into eternity and wish that you had done less for Christ. When we see the risen Lord, the one that the cherubim sing day and night, when we see Jesus, 
We will not look at that and go, ah, oh, I gave too much. <laughs> We're never going to miss it. This place, this is, this, this is not our home. We are just on a journey through. Yeah, I have suffered in North Toledo. Not to, I, it's, it's embarrassing to even say that in the context of the apostles and in the context of the early church fathers. I've never regretted it. Not even one time have I regretted following God when He said, go. And there's been times when He was faithful and He was kind and I failed to see it. But it doesn't change who He is. He is the rider on the white horse. His name is Faithful and true. If my life in any way is poured out for Christ, I hope that the thing that it shouts and declares to people is you can trust Jesus. He's worth your trust and your affection. So I want to give you just a couple kind of as I've been working through patterns in my life, rhythms that build hope because it's something that I need every day. There are times when I hear news or see something on the news that I just go, oh, I don't know. What am I doing here? So we build out these patterns. These are a couple practices that you can adopt that can help give you a hopeful perspective and the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is beef up your biblical literacy. In your sermon outline, do you really know the one in whom you have believed? The Word of God says, For by the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. Now this is God assigning faith. So are you lacking faith? Ask for more. Are you full of faith? Ask for more. God's not short on faith to assign. He's just calling us to live up to the faith that we have. The call of God is onward and upward. It's where we go by exertion. Where the rest of the world goes to the low end of the floor. Where it goes by gravity. Not us. I am convinced that illiteracy is a much worse problem for our church than illiteracy. It's not that we can't read. It's that we don't. Abraham didn't have what we have. We have the word of the prophets made more certain. We have the canonized scripture. We have the cornerstone and capstone of our faith. The, the man Jesus Christ we have Him by the Holy Spirit inside of us. And yet He obeyed. What access do you still need to compel you to obedience, to have hope in this life? Another practice that I would encourage you to do is find something in your life that calls your mind to hope. And I'll call this a hope token. You can call it whatever you want. Um, but I'll just tell you, ain't nothing on Facebook or on the news. 
that is spurring you on towards hope. That is not the place to look. You need to get off that stuff and dial in your vision for the future where you will find Christ. One of the hope tokens in my life is this image right here. These trees are standing at the corner of our campus, right out those doors at Collingwood and Norwood. And Paul Ackerman told me this incredible story of how after he planted the three of them, the shortest tree there died. Uh, It used to be the same height as the other ones, and so he cut it down. But before he could remove the stump, the tree grew back, right, out of its own stump. Immediately reminded me of the imagery from Job 14, for there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the sin of water, it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. It doesn't matter if my life is cut to a stump. If there's hope for Job like a cut down tree, then there is surely hope for me. And I think of that every time I pass those trees. That's a free one. You guys can have that. Another hope token for me is my baby boy. Look at that kid. <laughs> we named him Arrow Amonakai. And Amonakai is a Polynesian word that means hope. It's kind of a thing in our family to give kids Hawaiian names. And some people say he looks like a girl with his long hair. That's okay. <laughs> I know he's a boy when he does crazy stuff like this. <laughs> Get down from there. And I want to clarify, when we see these hope tokens, these things are not meant to, they're meant to point us towards God. They're not to be worshipped as God. And someone once told me that God chose to show up to the Israelites as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night because those things would be extremely difficult to make a graven image of. And this was a means of avoiding temptation for the Israelites to cast an idol in the image of God as he led them through the wilderness. As I followed the ambulance to the hospital yesterday, I didn't know how Arrow was doing, and I was just praying as we were going, and I told God, I don't worship you because you gave me Arrow. I worship you because you're good. And I'm thankful. I'm so thankful to God that he gave us Arrow. But I trust him no matter what. If you name a nice tree hope and it dies, has your hope died too? These are just things that ought to help you cast vision to see Jesus. They are not Jesus. These are just reminders that you put in your face so that you see Christ in your daily life. Whatever you name in life as your token of hope, I just said that, yeah. It's going to point you to Christ. Christ is our hope, not what He's blessed us with. And when I think of Arrow, when I see him, I think of what Chris Voss uh, of the Black Swan Group said in an interview. He said, what are our kids if not our hopes and dreams for the future? When I look at that little boy named Hope, he keeps me fighting 
for a better battleground. That he's not going to inherit the same fight that I'm fighting today in North Toledo, but there will be a better fight than the one that we're in. And that if he should follow my footsteps, praise the Lord. If not, I trust God with his life. I want him to have a better fight than teens killing other teens and middle schoolers dying in our streets. That boy points me and helps me be focused on the mission and the call of God ahead. And you can make this hope token anything that you like. If it's a child, uh, a painting, a fern by the door that you greet when you come in, whatever it is, find those things in your life that keep you focused on a vision of hope. Now, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're wrapping up here. The, the last, and it's possibly the most important practice for us as human beings to keep our hope is to worship. And I don't mean that you should surround yourself with more positive, encouraging, Caleb nonsense, okay? And I'm being tough on Caleb, I know, but it has almost no bearing on reality. Because guess what? Life, it's not positive. It is not encouraging. And most of the time, neither is the call of God. I've had people say to me, I think it's so nice, you know, the work that you're doing over in North Toledo. And actually, I'll be totally frank with you, it's not. And you know what would be really nice is if there wasn't any work for me to do in North Toledo. That would be nice. I wish the work didn't exist, but it does. And our work is gritty, it is dangerous, it is underfunded, it is underserved, it is overwhelming. And you know what puts those problems in perspective? It is not being more positive or more encouraging that is psychobabble from the world. It is recognizing the reality of who Christ is. And we do this by putting him in his proper place and worshiping him rightly. Do you remember the beginning of Psalm 33? Shout for joy, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And as a supplement to the sermon, totally optional, whether you want to use it or not, uh, factoledo.org, our church's website, slash hope. Uh, you can visit that, and I've just put together a few uh, YouTube videos and a playlist. These are songs that I feel are biblical and um, are, are vertical in nature, and they help me to worship God rightly. And I, I just as a disclaimer, I highly doubt that most of you will appreciate my taste in music, okay? That's all right. But it's a free resource. You can check it out. There'll uh, likely be a link to it in the, the FAC Focus. I just want to say that nothing, nothing compares to knowing Jesus. And nothing, nothing compares to being known by him. Getting into the practice of surrounding yourself with this biblical worship, it can help you to grieve. It can help you 
to put the thing that you're experiencing today in perspective. And it points you to the fact that we will be with him, worshiping him forever. And it's never going to end. If we can have a right belief and a right vision of hope, we can see what Abraham saw. And I would say that Abraham saw Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.